0: Hi. This is Welcome to Self, and I'm your host, Dr. Hayley Dequin. Fellow human, business owner, clinical psychologist, and coach. Welcome to Self is a place where you can come and learn about the practices that assist us as humans. Realize that you're not alone in the ways you struggle, and have your curiosity piqued on various topics as I chat to wonderful guests or bring you solo episodes. This is a place to remember that you are human first and have different roles in your life that need your attention. And for that, you need to take care of yourself in the best way you can. My aim is that this is a place of nourishment, growth, and nurture. A place where you can welcome yourself. And another great guest. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. I recently found out that reviews that originate outside of Australia can't be seen from Australia, which really sucks because I love reading your feedback. Please know that although I may not be able to see your review, other people will, and ratings and reviews along with sharing the podcast with others are the best ways for more people to find the podcast. And of course, the more people who can find it, the more people can be helped. So please consider leaving a rating and review, and I'll be forever grateful. So back to why you're tuning in. I met my following guest during a group coaching we both were enrolled in. It has been my pleasure to get to know her both professionally and personally, and I'm grateful to now call her my friend. Rebecca A. Wiener is a dynamic educator, lifelong learner, and creator of Learn, Play, Grow Educational Consulting. She supports transformational growth for young children with diverse abilities and their families, teachers, and schools through play-based learning, parent and teacher coaching, strength-based consulting in schools, and neurodiversity-affirming support for inclusion in early childhood programs. Rebecca earned a master's degree in education and completed a residency in Rice University's School Literacy and Culture Program, as well as a fellowship in Leadership Education for Autism and Neurodevelopmental Disabilities. She is a certified DIR Floortime Practitioner, Positive Discipline Parent Educator, and Early Communication Professional Trained and Licensed by the Hannan Centre. Rebecca is on a mission to reimagine education so that learners, teachers, families, and school leaders of all abilities have access, representation, support, and true belonging. Rebecca absolutely embodies compassion for others and for herself and is one of the world's beautiful humans. I am sure you will gain a lot from this episode, and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Rebecca to the podcast. Rebecca, it's so lovely to have you with me on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the honor of being here. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So, should we start with you perhaps telling us a little bit about yourself and what led you to the work that you now do? I would love to. My name is Rebecca Wiener. I live
1: in Houston, Texas, USA. And I am a passionate proponent for the power of play and the importance of inclusion. I have for decades been an educator or an advocate in community schools, early childhood, across the lifespan. And I consider my guiding principle to be compassionate curiosity. So being really interested in why people do what they do and how we can understand the environment and the relationships that shape that. And that's what led me to create my own business, Learn, Play, Grow. I had been a teacher for more than a decade and always had a child that needed more one-on-one, always had parents that wanted wraparound services, always had a desire to keep learning so that I could innovate. And the four walls of a classroom didn't contain that ambition or support it. So I created Learn, Play, Grow so that I could literally meet children, families, where they are, home, at school, and in the community, and bring that compassionate curiosity to their education, to their therapy, To their parenting and their learning journeys.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. What a lovely business, what what a much needed business that you have as well. So, you run your own service business, as you said, helping children, families, teachers, and schools. And I know from the start, because we've known each other a while now, I know from the start that you've been keen to ensure your business is sustainable to assist not only in avoiding burnout, but also so you can be living a life that suits you well. Could you share with us what you think are important factors in terms of running a sustainable business and taking care of yourself as a business owner?
1: I will share the wisdom that I say and strive to live. Sometimes I'm better at preaching and teaching than I am at practicing, but that is an ongoing evolution. First and foremost, as an entrepreneur, we have the right and the responsibility to build a business around our life rather than a life around our business. We have risked and sacrificed so much to serve our mission. It makes sense to do that in a way that is as sustainable as possible. I would also urge people to create an infrastructure. I spent the first few years of my business reinventing the wheel every time I got a cold call. And it was when I started creating a welcome email, an interest form, contracts, agreements, invoice templates that could all be personalized to the unique collaboration that really freed up the mental space for me to be able to have that infrastructure and build on. Something you taught me was to put myself on the calendar, that Mm -hmm. it's easy to always be available because you don't know where the next job is coming from, but you can't possibly be ready and charged and energetic for that job if you haven't had time off. So this is my first academic year actually taking school breaks as breaks. I used to try to cram as many little learners as I could into school breaks because they had flexibility in their schedules. And to have a spring holiday or to have a fall holiday has been so precious to me. I would love to build more of that in. And then something I tell myself every day is let enough be enough. There is an endless number of things that we could do
0: to the umpteenth degree. But at some point, you have to let enough be enough. Yeah, I think that's that's so wise. And I'm so glad that you're taking those holidays. I mean, it's so easy, isn't it, for us to think about what does the other person need? Yes. How would this best suit the other person? And I think for things to be sustainable and for us not to burn out, we do need to stop and think, well, hang on a minute, how's this going to impact me? And what do I need as well? Yes. And we can take responsibility for the choices that we
1: offer the other person in terms of our availability or the depth or breadth of collaboration. But much as I tell my parents and teachers, structure the choice with options that you are okay with and let the children choose among those. As business owners, we get to structure the choices about what we put out to the world. And other people are responsible for choosing from among those choices what works for them. But either way, it works for us.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Very wise. If you were starting your business from scratch tomorrow, and I know you talked about having the structures in place, but I'm wondering if there's anything else, what would you do differently? And what would you keep the same? Mm, Such a good question.
1: I'm an accidental entrepreneur. (laughs) I didn't mean to own a business. I'm a trained educator and I wanted to do the parts of education I was passionate and proficient at and let the rest take care of itself. And little did I realize that you can't just offer a service and charge money for it. You have to create a business, a legal entity to protect yourself and then have an infrastructure to build from there. So I wish I had known that there's no one right way. I think it's easy as a new entrepreneur to listen to the talking heads and everyone's got the magic bullet and you just want to be like them. And there is no one right way. I also think it's important to set our compass mindfully. I was new to coaching at the beginning of the pandemic. And I, for example, did not realize that a free five day challenge was a product or service launch. I did not realize that somebody, Signing up for a group program and only asking questions after you made the deposit wasn't a wise investment. So, understanding that there are diverse perspectives on how to run a business, there's no one right way, and it's good to have context for the ideas and the leaders that you're following so that you can set your compass accordingly. And I feel like means and ends get confused so much. This was such a huge part of my journey where. The means become the end. If I can just do the top five strategies for email marketing or the top 10 ways to boost social media engagement, then I'll be doing the thing. But it isn't until we step back and we ask ourselves, what is the why for that? The why for that is so that people will know us, like us, and trust us. And for my business, that is best accomplished by actually doing my work in the community. And referrals come from there. So had I stayed in the fixed mindset of this is the way you do it and the experts are saying this, I constantly found myself feeling like I didn't have a legitimate business or it would never be sustainable. And it was really over years of being in coaching programs and meeting fellow entrepreneurs that I was able to own that there's no one right way. And I feel like the inspiration
0: really came there for me to innovate and grow. Yeah, because I think, like you say, you're an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> I think many people would say the same. I don't know that we necessarily set out wanting to start businesses. There's no one right way, but there, there is a right way for each of us. Yes. And that might change as well, mightn't it, as, as things do grow and evolve. I know for myself in my business, I, my business has changed a lot over the years and no doubt will continue to change and grow. Um, but what I'm also hearing is is this part about sort of self-trust. Yes. And I think, you know, many of us who go into business are, and choose to be entrepreneurs have skills and qualities that we need to actually trust in as well. The reason we end up in these places is because of these skills and qualities and being able to trust in those and then also seeking support but like you say there, there's a lot and particularly in the world of social media there is an awful lot out there um that perhaps is you know shiny objects um <laughs> and, and not what it needs to be when you actually get there so I think again trusting yourself but also being cautious that you're not just trusting everything that you see out on social media as well or what's and to on. that to that point, I was speaking
1: with somebody recently and I said, I think it is a bloody miracle that I have made it this far. I didn't know what I didn't know when I started. And I'm grateful because had I known, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> and she stopped me and she said, Rebecca, is it a miracle or is it a testament yeah. that within you were all of those skills and all of that passion? And you have succeeded because of that and because of your willingness to practice compassionate curiosity for yourself and for your community your willingness to flex and pivot that's a miracle in and of itself but you are where you are as a testament Mm. not
0: as a happenstance that's lovely And and i just on a point you made there the compassionate curiosity for the people you serve but also for yourself and you know how has your work influenced your own life Can you tell us some of the pivotal points in your business? How you navigated these, and what impact those changes have had on your own life? I think that being an entrepreneur
1: is actually an existential journey.
0: That every
1: (laughs) question you have about yourself will be a thousandfold asked of you. And I am so passionate about what I do that as my philosophy of education and support has evolved, so too has the way I've trying to serve. So I started craving certainty. My first year of teaching, I believed that if I could just get the lesson plans and the art project prototypes, each year thereafter, I could plug and chug. And I've learned that there's a difference between having a decade of experience versus 10 first years. And for me, I've learned that every day is a first day. Yeah. Every day is a new day which means I get to bring the lessons that I learned, but I also get to learn new lessons. When I evolved from this craving of certainty to this openness to an emergent curriculum to child-led play, I really wrestled with how much I like to prepare. I love me a good bullet list or a spreadsheet and I could organize my organization and feel like I'm doing the thing but that was the busy work and learning to be fully present to what I'm doing and balance doing that in my business and for my business to now where I sometimes feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. On a good day, I tell myself, I'm really open to what comes. In fact, I have over my desk, a poster that says, I give myself permission to accept what comes. There's only so much that we can force there's an endless number of things that we could be doing and we could hustle and we could network but i've learned that that would only deplete me yeah. i know what i'm brilliant at and the more i practice that and compassionate curiosity around that the more that brilliance can grow yeah so i don't have to be brilliant at newsletters and social media i can bask in other people's brilliance and engage
0: with them and respond to them And let that be enough. Yeah. So this has been like a a journey of business. But really what I'm hearing is this has been a huge personal growth journey for you as well. Yes. Yes.
1: And one thing I don't think I contemplated was the loss of civilian identity. When you become a personal brand, it's impossible to know when you're out and about. Are people talking to you for you? or Are they talking to you for the service that you provide? And I had to learn how to show up as me when I was there in a personal context. I'm at a play cheering on my nieces and nephews, or I'm at a soccer game cheering on a little learner. And when I'm showing up as a professional at a conference or a committee meeting and carrying my card has been really helpful. If somebody crosses the boundary that I've set for the capacity in which I'm showing up, I can hand them my card and invite them to send me an email or reach out during the work week. And that way, I can really claim both identities as a
0: person and as a professional. Well, that's fantastic, having those clear boundaries. So then you get to enjoy your life outside of your work, because that's the thing, isn't it, as well, when we do work for ourselves, those boundaries between work life and personal life can get blurred if we're not intentional about it, you know, if we're Absolutely. not really mindful about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a lot of mindful awareness about who you are and what you're doing and what context you're in.
1: I try. Sometimes it's paralyzing and I have to take a step back and give myself permission to just be. Maybe you don't know in which capacity you're serving right now. Just be open to the
0: yeah. experience and it will guide you to how you need to show up.
1: Yeah,
0: and I think you make a good point. You know, we, we you try, we all try. We're never going to get this right all of the time. Um, we're we're not perfect humans um, nor should we strive to be because it's not achievable so I think it's really interesting the way you talk about that so what is it that you enjoy most about your work and working for yourself and what is it that you find most challenging because whilst it is you know I love working for myself um, but there's challenges that come with it There really are.
1: And I think in my case, the thing I love the most is also what challenges me the most. I love (laughs) that I bring together a team. So taking the child's perspective, the teacher's perspective, the family's perspective, the therapist's perspective, the school leader's perspective, and then bringing this team together to build common understanding and to build on their respective strengths to help shine a light on the child's strengths. That is, is so energizing and so exciting and the capacity that that builds for every member of the team is tremendous and Mm life-changing and when there are those that are not open to different philosophies or practices or those who do not come from a place of compassionate curiosity it can feel devastating and Mm -hmm. i have to take time and space and remind myself This is a professional collaboration. This is not an indictment of my abilities. I can only serve so much. Now I need to take care of myself. And that's Mm -hmm. challenging because I'm very passionate about what I do. And if I were selling shoes, shoes are fabulous, but you can get any shoe. I'm trying to promote a new understanding of the rights of children. And that's life changing. So to not be able to hit it out of the ballpark is really frustrating for me. And I've recently kind of adjusted my metaphor. Instead of trying to hit it out of the baseball park or as long as a football or soccer field, I now see myself on a sand volleyball court. It's a much smaller area. And I can volley back and forth and take perspective and build on people's strengths. And I don't have to worry about impressing. I Impressing in terms of, Rebecca's doing such a good job, but rather impressing in terms of you made such a brilliant point, teacher. Wow, parents, I really see how you're champions for your child and impressing upon
0: them their strengths and their capacity. Yeah, gosh, I can hear how committed and passionate you are about the work that you do. And I love how reflective you are about your process. And not that it's just reflection, but then when you've reflected, you kind of take action, whether it's changing a metaphor so it's not as overwhelming or feeling as unachievable, or if it's changing something in the way you're working with somebody, or if it's reflecting and then realising that you actually need to take some space, step back, look after yourself a bit more. Um, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Can I ask, what role do you think self-compassion plays in navigating the multiple roles, including business owner, that you have in your life? What a brilliant question.
1: And truth be told, I didn't know much about self-compassion before the pandemic. I had read Dr. Kristin Neff's work, but it was really in meeting you and learning from you that I realized how to bring that to life. So mindfulness has always been a part of my practice, and I, as a supporter of inclusion, believe strongly in common humanity, but it was the kindness to self that I really struggled with. And I've had to remind myself to use my Miss Rebecca voice with myself. I would never judge or berate my little learner. I would never make a flippant or sarcastic comment to a teacher or to a parent, but I'm oh so willing. Do it to myself. And interestingly, somebody else I was working with remarked Rebecca, you love your cat so much. He is my fur baby. And in adopting an animal, you're accepting a forever toddler. He will never become more independent. He will always need me. And I love him. More than all the carpets I've scrubbed to clean up mess, and more than all the vet bills and prescription diets, and more than all of the sleepless nights. And she said to me, Rebecca, what if you were to give yourself the love that you give to your fur baby? And a light bulb went off. This voice in my head that I have for what he must be thinking every time I come home. My first words are, Hi, Bunny. And the voice in my head for what he's thinking is you are a moron. How do you not know the difference between a cat and a bunny? I can't believe they let you adopt me. And then I thought, what would Miss Rebecca say? Miss Rebecca might say bunnies are so much fun and so are you. Just to reframe that voice in my Mm -hmm. head. And for some reason, the metaphor of my fur baby was so powerful that I need to give to myself what I give to my clients, to my family, and to this little baby that I love more than life itself. And being able to reframe that has been game-changing for me in terms of holding space for myself, in terms of taking that step of reflection and not just coming up with the idea, but sitting with it long enough to know how it feels in my body and how it's weighing on my heart. And then to take prudent action or not, perhaps rest and go from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so lovely. So it sounds like self-compassion for you is a is a daily kind of throughout the day process. Because I think sometimes people can think, oh, I, I need to be self-compassionate. It's this thing I have to do at this particular mm. time, or takes some particular that's... time for it.
1: But it we really is that. A, it's a
0: way of being. <laughs> Put that on right? the Put it in the diary. Um, which, hey, if that's how you start, then absolutely pop it in the diary and do some practice. So I'm all for that. But it really is a way of being, isn't it? It's embodying that compassion for yourself in all aspects of your life and your work. Um, I'm I'm thrilled that I have been able to be a small part of that in your life. Um, I'm so grateful to you.
1: And just today, I carried your wisdom with me to practice a little self-compassion. Before I went into the meeting, I stepped into the bathroom. I closed the door and I said to myself, You do not need to have all the answers. You are here to be open, to practice compassionate curiosity, and to build community. And then I walked in feeling so much more confident. I have been anxious about this for weeks. And to just take that moment to ground myself in Mm self-compassion was so powerful. Or in preparing for this interview, knowing that I was feeling excited and anxious. And at a certain point, I needed to take a break from the tedium of what I was working on and just sit with a book and recharge. And I never would have given myself the time, the space, the permission to do that before meeting you.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful to hear. It's very humbling as well. Um, I think these examples are really helpful. Do Do you have others that you would be happy to share about the sort of things you might do to take compassionate action for yourself? I've started doing goal
1: setting. And sometimes goal setting can be overly ambitious or something that you tie yourself to. And I really set that goal monthly. I set that goal weekly. I set that goal each day. And I've learned that when something doesn't get accomplished today, I can add it to tomorrow. And yes, that means that something from tomorrow will need to move. But it doesn't mean that I have more capacity today. And that simple being able to cross things off the list or accept that things will not get crossed off the list gives me so much more peace at the end of the day. I've learned as I transition, I meet children and family where they are at home, at school, in the community. So as I'm driving to a school or driving to a client, I'm very mindful of what music I might listen to or what podcast I might listen to. So on my way to the board meeting, I listened to your most recent episode of your podcast because I knew that calming voice would be centering on my way to a school. I might listen to that early childhood nerd and what is her most recent philosophical discovery and just being very mindful of what energy I surround myself, what voices, what messages I want to hear and to give myself the space to practice that. Yeah. I also find that taking a few minutes after each interaction to debrief with myself, sometimes it's the intellectual, okay, what well, went well, what didn't go well. Sometimes it's the just deep breath. Um, I practice what I call the rose meditation for my teaching. So each day I ask myself, what were the beautiful things, the petals? What were the challenging things, the thorns? What were the things that we could build on, the stem? And what could be the sun, the rain, and the clouds to nurture that? And so I can take that beauty, that challenge, and that potential into whatever comes next instead of judging myself. Well, you didn't do it the way you planned, and it didn't go the way you hoped, and do you remember what that person said? I'm all too aware of all of those things going on around me. But to center my attention on something that can help me grow instead of help me wallow in shame, has been life-changing.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Would you mind just um, repeating those steps of the rose meditation just for the listeners again? I've actually brought this into classrooms. I will literally bring a
1: rose plant and sit together with the teaching team and ask them their insight on what are the petals, what is beautiful, what is working smoothly, what are the thorns, what are the hard things or the growing edges or the challenges. What is the stem? What is something that's holding you up, a foundation that you can continue to build on? And what might be the support and nurturance of the sun, the clouds, and the rain? What do you need to shower upon you? What do you need to protect you? What do you need to fuel you? And
0: that way we keep growing. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I love that. I'm going to, um, I'm going to use that one for myself. Mm, that's fantastic so so what I'm hearing in all of this is there's lots of different ways that you practice this compassion for yourself um from whether that's slowing down your breath taking time out being really mindful about what you're listening to um thanks for the plug for my other episodes (laughs) um, sort of music that you might listen to I know for me I'm I'm always conscious um well, not always. Let's let's drop the always. I like to be conscious about what I might watch on television um, in terms of how my nervous system is feeling and what might be helpful. Um, certainly within the, the psychology field, we there seems to be a lot of us that have like watching, you know, the crime shows and things. So I don't know what that's about. But anyway, um, and often I'll I'll decide, no, I don't want to watch anything that's got violence in it, because my nervous system is already feeling activated. And that's just not helpful. So I might find something that's more soothing or a comedy or something like that. It sounds like you, you're you doing the same with the music and things like that, which I think is really important. It's so broad, isn't it, to really think about all the different aspects, like w- what are we what are we putting into our body and our mind that's actually nurturing and nourishing us? So, so important. Yes. How important have you found having a support system around you whilst running your business? And what do you find most helpful about this? Support is so important.
1: Community matters. And as a solopreneur, it can often feel very isolating. I feel so passionately about what I do, and I work in this community. This community is my inheritance. I belong to it, and it belongs to me. So sometimes it's easy to take things very personally, but having somebody outside the community, perhaps in an adjacent field, that I can bounce ideas off of what do you think of this? I had this experience. Can you help me process that? Having people in different fields who are in different places in their business sharing about their journey and realizing. I'm not stuck where I am. I'm three steps ahead over here and I've got seven steps to go over there and just the relativity of it. And knowing that it isn't all on me. I'm a solopreneur, but it isn't all on me. I can trust myself to lean into my zone of genius and delegate things that are not part of my zone of genius. And that's just been revelatory In my business, I held so much shame for so many years that I didn't know how to do this or I never could try that. And it took one small step at a time, trying, sometimes succeeding beyond my wildest imaginations, and often struggling just as I expected and realizing, is that where I want to put my life force? No, that's not a good use of my energy. And Mm -hmm. you only get that perspective from being part of a community and having support, however you define that.
0: Yeah yeah I think that's an important point as well isn't it step by step by step this isn't something that you need to master everything all at once taking things gradually and and you know going in a direction then realizing you need to change into another direction things like that as well. You and I met when we were yeah you and I met when we were in a a group coaching program and I think for me one of the best things that came out of that is the people I've met from it that although we're not in a group have continued to be supportive and I know that you and I catch up regularly and um, like you say as business owners it can be really helpful can't it to be chatting even though we do very different work um, it can be really helpful just knowing that other people are doing this type of thing as well and having those conversations and normalizing and validating And talking about the wins and talking about the challenges um, is so important. Um, It's certainly something that I invest in, in terms of being involved in in groups and community. Like you say, it can be a lonely road if we try and do this by ourselves. Yeah, It can be. And I love two things that you
1: said. First, about celebration. We learn so much more from growing based on our strengths than we do from compensating Our weaknesses. So, to be able to celebrate each milestone, each step of progress, however minuscule it might be, that's the fuel that builds the momentum that keeps things going. And to your point of one small step at a time, I often am brought into teams where there's been a struggle for a long time. And it's been in somebody's consciousness, whether or not it was shared with other members of the team. Perhaps we should explore this therapy. Perhaps we need to look for another school. And I recently did a consultation in which the parents were berating themselves. Well, we've known for all this time that we should probably try this and we didn't. And to be able to help them slow down and hear you have loved and championed your child for so long that you've held space within your consciousness for this. And now we're going to take one small step. In this coming week, can you commit to reaching out to this therapy practice And that school consultant and that one step to then be able to check in a week later and celebrate those successes. Yes, I scheduled that first appointment or I sent that email and I haven't heard back. My goal for next week is to follow up. We're breaking what feels like a huge treacherous journey into one small step at a time and building that foundation of positive lived experience to propel the success. The same is true in business. One small step at a time
0: yeah as you were saying that I was thinking yeah this we can apply this to ourselves can't we and what if we were to champion ourselves and support ourselves and look back even when things don't go as we might have hoped and that rather than saying well I knew that wasn't going to work I shouldn't have done that I should have done it differently what would it be like to actually offer ourselves that compassion and say I tried, I explored, I got curious. It wasn't the outcome I expected. But what have I learned from this? And what can I take from this to move me in a direction that I want to go? How different would that feel? And
1: to offer ourselves the grace of understanding that time is not wasted. Perhaps we needed all of that time to be ready to take this step. And it is only all of the time before this moment that will propel us forward. So we can wallow in shame. Well, why didn't I think of that? Or I was thinking of that, but I didn't do that. Or we can own. I had the capacity to generate these ideas and I have believed in myself
0: enough to hold on to them. Now I'm ready to take action. Yeah. And I think coming back to that, you know, having that support system, I know when you and I have chatted in the past, um, being able to reframe for each other. Yes things that have happened you know because sometimes we do struggle to to give ourselves that space and grace don't we so having somebody else to talk to who can then say well hang on that sounds like you did xyz Yep, really really helpful hey absolutely Uh, and of course always a pleasure catching up with people that you love (laughs) yes that too (laughs) so this is my favorite question that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast And I'm always curious about what the answers will be. So if you could meet your 80-year-old self,
1: what do you think she would say to you? You were always enough. Uh. That just came to my heart as you asked. The idea that we're always enough. We're always comparing ourselves to somebody else or to the goals that we're striving for but it is our enoughness that allows us to hold capacity for the ambition and the desire to keep growing.
0: And to accept our enoughness is so powerful. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I, I invite our listeners to ask themselves, if you could meet your eight year old self, what would they say to you?
1: And then reflect on that. So if people
0: want to find out more about you, Rebecca, or get in touch, where can they find you and engage with you and your work? I would love to connect
1: via my website, learnplaygrowconsulting.com or on Instagram at learnplaygrowconsulting and on Facebook at Rebecca A. Wiener, M-E-D. Interesting story. It turns out there's another Rebecca Wiener Mm -hmm. With a master's in education that works in early childhood, we met at a conference. We took a picture together holding each other's cards. And my commitment to her was that I would use my middle initial to distinguish myself. So sometimes people read Rebecca A. Wiener, M-E-D. How pretentious. And really, this is my integrity in action. I promised somebody else that I would distinguish myself so that she could shine and I could too.
0: So that's where the middle initial comes from. Uh, and can I just say you can identify yourself however you want there's nothing pretentious about owning who you are that is true (laughs) I love that so finally and, and before we go to the next question actually I will put links in the show notes so people can easily find you uh your website and your socials um Finally, if you could distill it down into one piece of advice, and I know that can be challenging. um, What would you want our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Compassionate curiosity.
1: To stay open to the possibility that perhaps it isn't as it seems, or it could be a different way. And when we practice compassionate curiosity, We're not looking for who to blame or where to lay fault. We're looking for where to grow and what could come next. And for me, for my practice, for my being, for myself, compassionate curiosity
0: is everything. That's really beautiful. And of course, you're not going to get any argument from me on that one. (laughs) Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your wisdom and, you know, being open about the challenges and things that you've been through in your own journey as well. I'm sure it'll be really helpful for our listeners. And um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and I really appreciate your time um, joining me today. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you for sharing this time with me today. I hope your time here was helpful and supportive. If there has been something in this episode that you found helpful, I invite you to share it with another person you think might benefit. I'd also love it if you'd leave a five star rating and review wherever you tune in. Ratings and reviews really help to increase awareness of podcasts, meaning I can spread helpful information more widely. All reviews are welcome and much appreciated, as I know they take time out of your day. If you'd like to be notified when the next episode airs, please use the link in the show notes to join the mailing list. Music and editing by Nissa Ray. Thanks, Nissa. I wish you all well in your relationship with yourself and may you go well and go gently.